0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics,
1: and human flourishing.
2: Interesting people, interesting things. Welcome to The Bill Walton Show. Today I want to explore what life is like for Christian women artists in the TV and movie business. With Nancy Stafford, known to millions as Andy Griffith's law partner on TV's Matlock, and Nina May, an award-winning independent filmmaker, together with Nancy starring and Nina producing and directing, they have collaborated on a terrific new romantic comedy, First Lady, premiering this Valentine's Day. Nancy has been a series regular on six TV shows and has several upcoming movies. As an author, she's written two best-selling books, Nina, the founder of Renaissance Women Productions, has also written and directed the award-winning Daily Bread and Life Fine Tune. There's a lot I want to dig into, but uh, let's start with the First Lady. Nina, uh, I think you thought this one up. Uh, You want to go first?
0: (laughs) Yes, it's wonderful. It's a um, fun, romantic comedy. We're calling it a modern fairy tale for the whole family. And uh, I, I came up with the idea years ago when someone asked me, Um, because I was very involved politically, and they said, Nina, would you ever consider running for president? And I said, no, but I'd love to be first lady. And it just came out of my mouth, and it just always was in there. What would that look like with someone running for first lady? And I actually did the research and found out that there have been actually nine, you use this a lot, nine first ladies that are non-spousal, they're not married to the president. Really? Yeah. but not that amazing? Have, no, It's it yeah. incredible. But none have ever run for the office of First Lady because is there really an office of the First Lady? We don't really know. So I pulled together sort of a little bit of a plot and immediately, and I've known Nancy probably for about 20 years, I guess, and she just immediately came to my mind as being the perfect person to cast as First Lady. So I sent her the script and I was selling her on the phone. I said, Nancy, I've got the script. I want you to look at it. And I think you'd be perfect for it. Well, I never heard back from her, and she didn't hear back from me, so she's thinking, well, I guess she chose someone else, and I'm thinking, well, I guess she didn't like it. It was the well, wildest well, thing. Well,
2: having seen the movie, you, you know were the right choice. She picked me, what, totally, unfortunately. <laughs> how do you react to this idea?
1: Well, I loved it, and so I immediately wrote Nina back, to which she never got the email, and then we ran into each other about a year later, I guess, at a media summit, Christian media summit, and she i said whatever happened to first lady and she said i thought you didn't like it so from that moment on and that's been what 18 months 18 uh, months
0: since that regrouping to us distributing it 18 months which is absolutely unheard of in this industry as you know know, as a producer i mean that just never happened that's fast but you but you talk about christian women (laughs) it was a miracle actually that i did not get her email because i had to decide between Pulling the Trigger on First Lady, I guess you can't say that, Pulling the Trigger on First Lady, <laughs> starting no, that's starting production on First Lady, or this um, post-apocalyptic dramatic series that i already also written called uh, Daily Bread. And since I didn't hear back from her, I said, well, you know what, I'll, everything's set for Daily Bread, let's go ahead and start our casting calls and everything. And so it was almost exactly to the minute that we finished Daily Bread that we did this um, conference together and we regrouped on First Lady. I learned so much on Daily Bread that I applied to First Lady. If I jumped into First Lady without doing the, the TV series first, I don't think it would be nearly as good as it is. So I believe really, that was God's hand saying, I know what you're supposed to do first. Nina. Don't worry about whether Nancy's got the script or not. I got it all under control. And it was it's two really great projects. Well, I think.
2: well Nancy, I, I you know, watched the film. It's a, a film that it's about politics in part, but it's not political. I know. I couldn't. I can't figure out which party you were in. Actually, thank (laughs)
1: Thank you. you. (laughs) Thank you. That was the point. (laughs) That was the point. Okay. (laughs) That was the point. That's exactly. We wanted to set it in the well. Nina wanted to set it in the world of presidential politics, but be apolitical, totally Mm non-political, and especially right now in this climate we're in, where everything is heightened and heated and divisive. Um, Here comes First Lady. You Mm -hmm. know about set in this world but is a chance for everybody to come across the aisle and laugh and just come together for once mm-hmm. and just enjoy 90 minutes in a theater and um have some hope and have some fun medicine, uh, laughter is medicine for the soul and we need it
2: well i have a i have something i have to disclose okay <laughs> nina first talked with me about playing the part of the president
1: you would have been great. Yeah. Well,
2: except she killed me off in the first the yeah. first four minutes. And you wanted a bigger role. <laughs> I, wanted a, I wanted a bigger role. Like, a you second. would have
1: been great. But Joel King, who plays he was good. He
2: was very good. He was good. fabulous. He was great. Aww. So, what was the, the idea? Is that just t- give us a quick plot summary so we know? Well,
0: basically, it's a woman who is the first lady, but her husband dies in office, and his dying wish or request is that. She helped the vice president in his bid for running for office because election is coming up. And um, she doesn't know what to do. And It's the girls that give her the idea, her aides that give her the idea. And it's like, well, it's never been done before. Well, none of this has been done before. And why are we doing it? No, So anyway, so she agrees to do it. And then the fun begins. And it basically, it pits her then, even though she helps him get to, into office, you have to have conflict in a movie. It can't be, well, okay, that was a fun movie. You got to have conflict, so I made the conflict between her and the president, because now he's thinking that everybody loves her; she's more popular than him. She got him. The, vi- elected. the, the, the young man the, the who was, man was vice, president, vice, vice president is now, now
2: president. president. Now he's yeah. now he's jealous. Jealous he's a of her and threatened.
1: Threatened exactly. Well, I, I can exactly. see why. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Kate, my character, Kate Morales, was beloved. So exactly. You know, I can see it too.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> and and then the the real antagonist of her is um, Mallory Carrington, who it would be the would have been the first lady had her husband won. And that's really why the, she did this. She said, we've got to protect the dignity of the position of first lady. And she's all about protocol. She's all about history. Who, and who she play, is a history who, who, professor. Who played that part?
1: Oh, um, Tanya, Tanya Christensen. Christensen.
0: She's over
2: the top. She was hysterical. She
0: hysterical? And yeah. she was a doll to work with. And yeah. all those were
1: her clothes.
0: She bought her polka dot She owns those polka dots. <She> <laughs> <owns> <laughs> those boas, polka dots. I know, big flowers.
1: and She was hysterical. She but, is a friend of mine. I've known yeah. her for a long time. She lives mm-hmm. in Florida, actually. And as soon as I read this script, I called Nina and said, I know who needs to play this role. And she just nailed she it. Na- she, she steals the it. movie, which delights me no end. I mean, really, it's, she's wonderful. The cast
2: is great. How did you pull together the cast?
1: Another miracle. I'm telling you, that we cast that whole
0: thing in about four weeks, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. if that. And I knew... Nancy, because she said, are you going to do it? She's already in. I'd already talked to Stacey Dash about something, so I said, hey, Stacy, we're doing this movie. When are you finishing yours? She was, oh, and about such and such times. Great, come on over with us. I talked to um, Joe Battaglia, who was a very dear friend, and he's knee-deep in the industry, and I said, Joe, I'm looking for a, an actor in their 60s, 60, 65 that can do romantic comedy, and da, da 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 He immediately said, well, what about Corbin? Corbin, 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 Bernson? Bernson. Yeah, Corbin, Corbin, I mean, the rough, tough policeman in your face. He, he was, of,
2: he was in L.A. Law.
0: Yeah, he was in L.A. He's in Psych. I mean, he does a lot of different movies. And I was going, are you sure he could do like romantic comedy? I don't uh, see. And Joe so was like, oh no, absolutely. He said, I tell you what, send me the script and I'll get it to him. And I'm thinking, okay, it's going to be a couple of weeks. Maybe I'll hear back. But I'm going to continue my search. Well, Corbin calls me back like within four hours. Oh my goodness. Yes, and said. I love the script. I want to do it. I thought, oh. And then it was just downhill from there, getting everyone else. And, it was, and he was so charming. He was. He was delightful. Just mm-hmm. cute and fun. Perfect choice. Perfect yeah. choice. And he even did the little accent that he kind of worked on well, a little bit. Well, you bit. gave him a hard
2: problem. He was doing a foreign accent, but you didn't name the country.
0: Well, Moldovanique. <laughs> Moldovanique.
2: Yeah, OK. So It's
0: a made-up country. So, and I haven't told him that. So I said, we got a made-up accent. Exactly did, right. Totally and, right. And, I, and I put everyone in his, all his extra guys from all over. I mean, it was very eclectic. You know, they had black and white and young and old and Hispanic and Filipino and everything, so nobody could guess what country
1: it was because... I don't even know what country it is. It's just Moldovanic. And he and so. I used to laugh because um, his accent would would vary from scene to scene, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he'd be a little more French and sometimes more Austrian. And I mean, it was hysterical. It was. It was. I think it was but scary. it's a comedy, so you can do that.
2: As an actress, how do you prepare for a role like this?
1: Well, you know what? Um, it was so beautifully written on the page, mm-hmm. and that helps. It starts with the writing. If the writing's good, then so much is given to you. So. Um, what I did when I learned, first of all, that, that there were nine non-spousal first ladies, I started looking at that. But then I decided, you know, who are the, the what are the attributes of the first ladies that I most admire? So um, I called from the fierceness and the ferocity and the loyalty of Barbara Bush and the grace and dignity and humor of Laura Bush, uh, Nancy Reagan and her dignity, and um, even uh, M- Melania Trump and her Grace under huge pressure, right? So um, I kind of com- made a composite figure using some of the best qualities. And what I loved about what she wrote for Kate is that she is a woman who is steeped in history. She's a history professor, and she chooses to do everything she can to preserve. She loves government and she pres- loves protocol and she loves dignity.
2: Mm-hmm. so
1: and but but fiercely flawed. <laughs> So she was fun, but yeah.
2: Uh, You're watching The Bill Walton Show, and I'm here with Nancy Stafford and Nina May, and we're talking about their new movie, First Lady. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So it comes out on uh, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, Day,
0: February 14th. uh, I had some guy ask me today, what day is Valentine's Day? I said, you're not married, are you?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I admitted to not being sure about that date, so (laughs) just this morning. Uh, So, uh, Corbin Burson co-stars with you, Mm -hmm. and uh, it it was shot mainly in location here in the Washington area?
0: Yeah, in Fairfax and Rappahannock counties, basically. Oh, and in uh, Texas is where all the Oval Office scenes were shot, in Longview, Texas, in someone's replica of the Oval Office. It was great.
2: Now, I I want to talk with you both about separate but similar things. I I want to talk with uh, Nancy about how, how you proceed in a very successful career in Hollywood, um, as a very serious Christian, when Hollywood is not exactly uh, that, <laughs> and and I don't want to talk with you about how you how you you've now made three films, and you pull this together, and a three, lot of people think features, about yeah. making a movie, yeah. how that happens. Right. Um, sure. Who who? Uh, let's let's start with Nancy. Me, me. Start start. Okay, well you were um, you were you were uh, Miss Florida in I the was. Miss America Miss contest, America. Mm-hmm. and then became a Ford model, yep. which is a big deal. A very big deal. And, it was fun. <laughs> uh, you were in like 300 commercials before you uh, started acting.
1: Yeah. I start. in fact, what's funny is I actually started, it was my, not my intention at all. I was actually a journalism grad from college and I was working in the marketplace and got a call from an agent in Miami who s- desperately said, I've got all these ad agencies coming to Miami to shoot these big commercials in the winter. And I- and Screen Actors Guild, the actors' union, was on strike. She says, I'm desperate. And I said, well, thanks for thinking of me. And she uh, said, would you just come and audition? And I auditioned for five big national spots in one week, and I got them all. And that's what started it. I got out of nowhere. I got Coca-Cola and p I mean, big national commercials. And I got bitten by the bug. So I started doing more commercials and decided to move to New York to study. I didn't go to model. I went to study acting. So I enrolled in the Stella Adler Conservatory. It mm-hmm. was in class 18 hours a day, it felt like, modeling on the side, doing a lot of commercials, and started then working in a soap in New York. That was my first job.
2: So Ford, that was sort of famously nurturing as an agency. Didn't yeah. they take care? Back in those days, Yeah, you these young, vulnerable women would come yes. to New York mm-hmm. and... and uh, and they'd Ford. often
1: stay at, at, in Eileen's home. Yeah. Um, and she was very much like a mama hen, very protective of her girls. Now, I was a little older. I was 24 years old when I signed with Ford, which at mm. the time...
2: Is it could be like, like eight years older or seven, you know, six or seven or eight years older than a lot of them.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. at yeah. least. Mm-hmm. And, um, but she said, you know, but he says, you're old. When I first met her there, she looked at <laughs> me, she goes, you're really old. And this is her voice. I'm doing her voice. You're old. And I said, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But she says, but I'll hire, I'm going to work with you because you're going to make me a lot of money. <laughs> oh, wow. And I did make a and lot of money. And you did. Yeah. That's good for
2: you. Well, Nina, when did you get the bug to start uh, making movies, film?
0: I, th- I think I've always loved production, anything dealing with production. And um, I remember in high school, like, for example, during you're talking about beauty contests, all the beauty contests or all the shows or all the anything, I didn't want to be on the stage. I wanted to be behind the stage. I wanted to like run the camera. I wanted to tell tell them where to put the lights, where to put the sets. Oh, the sets! Can I redesign the set for you? I just love the whole concept of production. I don't know what it was, but years ago, I, I, I'm not going to tell you which movie it was because I'm embarrassed that I was in it. I was an extra in a movie. I'll give you a tiny bit of a hint. It won Best Picture, but I'm still embarrassed that I was in it. So, I know. <laughs> ding, ding, okay, ding, ding, we get 20 ding, questions ding, here. Ding. Yeah. So, but I was a, um, okay, I will give you another hint. I was, <laughs> I was an FBI trainee with Jodie Foster. And so Ooh. I was with so her for like, this was the
2: Scorsese movie, maybe? No. Silence.
0: No. Oh, oh Williams. Williams. I know. If I don't know one, anyone going to see it, just because, okay. anyway, so, but be, because I was right there on the set every single day for literally three weeks, I'm this close to the director every day. I'm this close to the director of photography. I'm seeing everything around me. I'm hearing what he's telling this person, that person. And I was just going, oh my gosh, I'm fascinated. I wanted to get out of being an extra so bad that I could just, y'all go do your, st- I want to just sit here and listen at, you know, the foot of the master right here. And I, I couldn't get out of my head that it was so much fun. But what really inspired me to realize I could do it was when the Kendrick brothers, I saw them on Fox News one morning they had taken a hundred thousand dollars. They're not taken their church and invested a hundred thousand dollars in them to do their first movie. They'd never done anything before. They'd never acted. They'd never written a script. They'd never done anything before. And Sony picked it up. And I think they ended up making like twenty million dollars or something. And it it reminded me of what my thought has always been about making movies. You do not need to spend a gazillion dollars to make a movie. You just have to have a really good script. Good directing, good acting, and then of course distribution so everyone can see it. But I would look at those budgets in Hollywood and go, "That shouldn't cost ten million. That shouldn't cost five. It shouldn't cost one." I found out what a line producer was, and I said, "Can I see your budget?" And I'm looking at the budget, budget, and go, "You don't need that. You don't need that. You certainly don't need twenty of those. You don't, and you're paying that guy that much." And so I would see these fifty or five million dollar budgets, ten million dollar budgets. Scratch, 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 scratch. Okay, now, now I'll do that for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Of course, of course.
2: You're so, <laughs> uh, let, let's be plain. You, I've known you for a while.
0: Yes, you have.
2: And I think the first time I met you, you were on a uh, on a tractor or a bulldozer. Uh,
0: my Bobcat.
2: And you've yeah. got a you've got in your bio here that in your spare time you like to work on construction projects, yes, serving I as do. general contractor. I love it. It's a it. pretty good background to produce a movie.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> it comes the in same, handy. But it's the same <laughs> thing. If you think about it, you start with a blueprint. You start with a script. You know, you know what your contractors are going to be. You know who your cast and crew is going to be. You, and so you just build it from the bottom up, and then you get to um, furnish this or colorize and do the foley and, the, and sweetening the sound and everything on that. And they, they're so similar. I mean, it's creating and building. Project management. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she I does. just I love that. I mean, I really do. Yeah.
2: So you went on uh, from modeling to Hollywood TV. Mm-hmm. When did you get your part in Matlock?
1: Um, actually I was brought from New York to do a show called Saint elsewhere okay um, which was uh, I did the first th- three the se- three seasons second third and fourth year as they brought in my character with Mark Harmon so I did that show that's what brought me to LA and then when that show ended then I got a TV series called sidekicks for a year on ABC and Disney and um, when that show was canceled sadly it was a lovely show but Terrible time slot. Um, Matlock came along, and um, his daughter, for first season, had just left the show, and they were looking for his new law partner. Perfect timing for when I was exiting my other show, and they brought me in to do this one. I did that show for five years.
2: Did you like Andy Griffith?
1: Loved Andy Griffith. Oh my gosh, who doesn't love Andy Griffith? Now he was—he
2: was a he wonderful is, actor. He made that uh, movie, "What a Face in a the Crowd." Face in the crowd. In the mm-hmm. late '50s. Yeah. You
1: know, if your viewers and listeners have not seen Andy Griffith in "A Face in the Crowd," they must. He is terrifying in yeah. this role. Yeah.
2: And it will What's show. The, you Lones, Lonesome Rodes, played "Lonesome Roads."
1: Yes. "Lonesome Roads." Elmer Gantry, <laughs> Gantry kind of character. Yeah. Um, Gantry. Yeah. And he was, but I mean, my goodness, he was an American icon. I mean, created two of the most iconic, distinctive, culture-making characters with Andy of Mayberry. I mean, mm-hmm. look what he created for our, our country. People I mean, still watch it. People too. watch it. They yeah. love it. And he did the same, really, for Matlock. So I adored him. We, had, we laughed every day. And it was like a master class for me every day. What, like, do you well, teach you, what
2: do you teach you about acting? Because part of what I want to uh, convey here is what, what the craft is that you're uh, engaged yeah, in. Yeah, what, yeah. what do you teach you about acting?
1: Um, a number of things, um, not the least of which is um, impro- improvising, staying t- true to the script, but the capacity to improvise within the confines of lines, which is sounds counterintuitive, but is a wonderful gift that he exhibits all the time um he for instance he used to do if your viewers remember the ubiquitous courtroom scenes every episode um where he gives his final summation speech and it's a long it's like a five pager it's long he would do that as a monologue he memorized it he would tell me as a monologue and then he would deliver this thing in one take he was basically one take andy So we have the gallery full of of people, we got the jury full. The courtroom is packed with people, extras and and actors. And he would stand up and give his, do the summation scene, usually in one take. We never had to even do a safety. He got a standing ovation almost every time. I mean, he's remarkable. His work ethic was astounding. I've always had a good work ethic, but it was great to see a veteran say, I'm coming in at five and I'm getting ready, and I'm leaving at 5 at night, but he Mm. went straight to bed. I mean, his work ethic was unbelievable, and he cared deeply about the character of of Matlock. So he was making constant changes with the writers because of the character. I learned so much from him. Plus, he was just fun. Oh, my gosh. Some of my most fun moments, he'd bring his guitar on the set and play, and my husband's a fabulous musician, and he would... He'd sidle up to me sometimes, and he'd go, hey, Nancy, call Larry, see if he'll bring his mandolin over. And uh, just, he was great.
2: You're watching the Bill Walton Show. I'm here with Nina May and uh, Nancy Stafford, and we're talking about Nancy's career uh, uh, early on, working with Annie Griffith and Matt Locke, and also the role her husband, Larry Myers, played in the career (laughs) early on. Uh, you have a friend of mine, good friend, Colby Mays. Yeah. How, has he been involved with you in, in the making he, of your I movies? I always
0: make him the executive producer. And everyone in the industry I don't industry think executive
2: knows, but... producers do any work, though, do they?
0: No, but they cha-ching. <laughs> 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 I, I kind of work. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah, he works. And he's also okay. our lawyer, too, so that helps a lot. <laughs> that saves you That a saves lot. the cha-ching, oh, exactly. Goodness.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. So uh, pulling together the financing for something like this, how do you, how do, you do a... How do you get a program, um, how do you get we, a show going? We
0: do these through our foundation, our Renaissance Women Production, Renaissance Women Foundation. The Renaissance Women Productions is a project of it and because it's all educational. What we're trying to do is find undiscovered talent, especially young kids that feel called into the industry and give them an opportunity in front of or behind the camera in real-life productions, so that they don't have to feel they got to go out to Hollywood and do the, the casting couch or that Me Too stuff. Because it happens, I've seen, and this is what inspired me to do this, I saw some of these young, gorgeous girls that had, and they were like, you know, the, the Miss High School and the, the, the star of that show in college or whatever, and everyone's like, oh, you got to go to Hollywood, you're so, so good. They would come back absolutely broken. It's like their souls had been destroyed because they couldn't make it out there because they were expected to do things they would not do. And I said, you shouldn't have, that would be yelling, why'd you do that? You shouldn't have done that. Well, what are my options? I started thinking about that. What are their options? You know, no one's going to just take someone that's never been on stage and go, hi, I'm going to cast you in this. I mean, that would be like... Well, that's one of the things about
2: your movies is you do have an ensemble. You've got a group of young people that work, go from production to production. Mm-hmm. And this is Renaissance Women's Productions. Renaissance Women Productions. For, yeah. And
0: it's, like I said, it's a project of Renaissance Foundation, which is a non organization, basically. Mm-hmm.
1: So... And you know, another thing I love about the model that Nina has, um, she is, well, for two things. Through her foundation and because she is discovering un- undiscovered and undeveloped talent oftentimes and putting them both behind the camera to learn things as well as in front, um, she's all about mentoring. And I've, I'm all about mentoring too and on the other coast in Hollywood. Because I think it's so important for us to raise up this next generation of storytellers and create mm-hmm. creative content developers, mm-hmm. and so it's very exciting I think to be able to be a part of working with someone who doesn't yet ha- hasn't honed their craft yet, but because we can teach them by even if they only watch, mm-hmm. they're getting a chance by osmosis. Yeah. I mean that's how I learned set etiquette that's how I learned to be a professional was watching intently I mean I've always been a sponge everybody I've ever worked with like how are they doing that what do they do how do you how do you respond and so she's giving them a chance to do that and also what I love is that um, she's proving as are many independent filmmakers that there is life outside of Hollywood you don't have to be within the confines of the Hollywood system Mm -hmm to be an effective filmmaker and a successful one. Exactly.
2: You all, you mentioned Me Too. I mean, what's, is this, I'm not that close to this, so what is, how do, what's your take? On
0: the Me Too movement?
2: Yeah. Um, You want to
0: go, that's sort of your, Neck of the woods. We don't really deal with it out of <laughs> well, Rappahannock County.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, Nana. <laughs> no, no. But, oh, no, a big but, bus just came by. But, but but, all
2: right, here, come, here comes, here comes the high beam spot. You're under the, lights.
0: No, because that is your industry. I mean, again, yeah. the stuff that I'm doing in writing and producing, but you know, it is across, across so anything. many industries now. People yeah, are coming for
1: But, but, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I should be highly offended. I've never had a me too situation <laughs> in my entire career, and I'm really upset about it right <laughs> now. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but there are a lot of women who have had that that problem. And but what, mm-hmm. here's honestly, for those for the Harvey Weinstein's and the real awful characters, I am. It's despicable. It's disgusting. And it's about time. Okay. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of others that I, that suddenly 20 years down the road when it feels a little convenient and they were quiet when it actually happened because they were ambitious for their own career and they thought it would hurt them, they would, they were willing to do what it took to get there, Mm -hmm. but now they want to come out and destroy a life. And I don't know, I have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. I go, you know, I'm all about, if you know, if you, if you, if if someone has done something to me, I'm either going to. Extract myself from the situation, or I'm gonna um, make it loud. And, clear. and if it's bad enough, you bring
0: charges against them. Absolutely. You go to the police, you say this happened to me. You well, and you're out. tough,
2: tough people, and you handle it. It's, it's, you know, my wife Sarah's on the set. I'm gonna, she's bursting to come on the set because she Wonderful. agrees with you uh, yeah. that it it, it, it it, goes both ways, and there is a little it bit of, does. Little bit it's of very, sure.
1: it's been very, quite self serving in, in so many of these situations. And so I want to scream sometimes when. These charges come out now so many years later mm-hmm. so i don't know i i have a tough time with it but i also know that if young women who do come out to hollywood or young men or whoever it is if they have enough self um respect and have enough integrity that they can just say no then you know they may not get that one role so what I've had not quite that situation, but I've had a lot of situations where, um, the type of work offered wasn't what I wanted to do. Now I wasn't assaulted and I wasn't threatened or harassed. Mm -hmm. I was just not hired or fired.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: So, you know, there's, there's a cost to stand up for your beliefs and to be who you know you're supposed to be. So Mm -hmm. you pay
0: Mm -hmm. the price. True. Um, going back to the discoveries of um, the new people that we have, if you've watched the movie, you know her age, she's got three aides, you know, Bailey, Channing, and Macy. There's four professionals on that set. There's one of the four of them that has never acted before, never been in front of a camera, never done that. And I'm telling you what, she absolutely held her own. It was Melissa Time. She was brilliant. She was amazing, and I was so proud of her because yeah, I thought, you couldn't tell. You could not tell. She did an amazing job, an amazing job. And there were several others like that too, but she's the one that really became, in my eyes, my star of discovery for that mm-hmm. for that show, yeah. The movie.
2: So you also produced Daily Bread and Life Fine Tune. What are what are those?
0: Daily Bread is a post-apocalyptic dramatic series. We've got twelve um, episodes out, forty-five minutes each. Literally, it was like making six movies in a year and a half. But um, a solar flare knocks out electricity around the world, and these seven millennial girls who are the cast and crew of a cooking show are stranded on a farm, and they have to figure out They're how the to... the cast and crew of a, a cook, cook A cooking show. A cooking, a cooking, cooking show. show, yeah. I know, it sounds silly. It's like, oh, that sounds like a great comedy. But no, it's serious, I mean, because th- there's no electricity, and how are you going to Well, you survive? like to mix
2: your plots, I know. Yeah. Because it, life, you know, the... Uh, Um First Lady, we've got both Prince and the Pauper theme and the Vice President. Exactly. No,
0: I do. I like to sort of layer things in. It's more fun that way. But um but and I we were literally stuck for two years in camo because it was post apocalyptic. We had guns, we had blowing up tannerite, we had survival. And then I went from camo to glamo and I love that. And it was really like Oh, I was just go tired of this. Glen- Even my, you've seen my suitcase. It's a camo suitcase. So I really immersed myself into the production. But uh, we've won a lot of awards for that. It's on DirecTV. It's on Amazon Prime. It's its all over and everything. But, um, and then Life Fine Tune was my very first feature link. I had done several, um, what are they called, documentaries and tons of shorts, but I'd never done a feature length and we won the international family film festival out in california beating out a dreamworks and a disney movie shocking me i had no idea and i was just telling her today as a result of that oh we beat out two chinese movies and as a result of that the chinese american film festival said can we show your movie at our film festival which is kind of like their oscars and i was i looked at the catalog and it's was like okay you got you know men in black and you know the avengers and you know, you, you knew every single one of the movies and there's a little life fine tune right there and it was like Wow! Thank you. It was a, it was very cool. It was pretty exciting. So. Well,
2: the thing that's interesting about both of you is you're you're artists, but you're also have an overarching mission to I think bring I you know Christianity to to the world, but also people's self esteem. Self-worth, right. all that. I mean, it's a, you're, exactly. you're both very mission-driven in that regard. Yeah. I mean, you've for written that
0: excellence, basically, for both of
2: us. I mean, Nancy, you've said something like uh, she speaks in corporate settings where she motivates, inspires, and challenges others to live lives of significance and pursue their dreams with excellence. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. But then Nina, we have saying, Ruh-roh. Uh, <laughs> she wants people to be leaders, not followers. Yeah. Winners, not whiners. Uh huh. Victors, not victims.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so I think you're singing the same music but in different keys. Yeah. That's very good.
0: <laughs> exactly. That was when I first started Renaissance Women years ago. That was kind of the motto that I would say because we were pitted up against the feminists who were wanting to speak for all women. I said, Excuse me, time out. I can speak for myself. Do not need you speaking for me. Definitely don't need you voting for me or, or believing what you believe. I, I got my own mindset here. So that was the the uh, leaders, not followers part. And of course, the, the winners, not whiners well, I can't do this because I'm a woman and there's a glass ceiling and, oh, just do it. Just shut up. And then the victors, not victims. You know, we're just doing it. We're not going to sit there saying, oh, I can't do it because I'm a victim, because I'm a woman and the system is against me. You know, going... Seriously? Well, why are the rest of us doing it? Mm. You know,
1: it just, it would just drive me crazy that they were winning. You thought, And in my case, as far as being someone that really wants to motivate, and I, especially women, I mean, I speak to mixed audiences too, but my heart really is for women. And it comes from a very personal place because I grew up, though I had an affirming family and a fabulous family, I had such a deep sense of unworthiness and inadequacy and insecurity that I don't, I can't really explain where it came from. But I So just, you're
2: Miss you're Miss Florida, I you're was a Miss, Ford model. I
1: know. But I was totally the <laughs> nerd, the geek, the dork of my school growing up. And yeah. it, it was, I mean, it, it was crazy. And I was highly sensitive. But it wasn't until and it wasn't even getting Miss Florida and becoming successful in the business that helped me overcome those feelings. It was a relationship with God. It was yeah. having the father speak to me the truth of what he thought of me, not what I think of myself. Mm -hmm. So instead of being bound by my past or my warped self-perceptions, he overrode the lies with truth. That is why I think that we care so deeply, and I do especially, about women. Because all these things we've talked about, um, even the, the Me Too movement and the temptation to do whatever you need to do to get a man to love me, to get a job, to get somebody to like me, it's obliterated when we come to the place once and for all of knowing that i am loved unconditionally by an everlasting god who accepts me exactly as i am i don't have to remake myself or subject myself mm-hmm. to your approval and it changes everything it changes the landscape
2: and those are the themes i mentioned the books at the outset one of them is beauty by the book seeing yourself as god sees you and the latest your latest one is wonder of his love journey into the heart of god mm-hmm. And that's, so if we pick up that, that's, where, that's all in those books. I think,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. I, I tend to, and I write what I need. I'm very selfish. I write <laughs> what I need, and I figure if I need it, maybe somebody else does too. Oh,
2: okay, so cool. when you sit out to write a book, you're thinking the audience is...
1: Me. Me, okay. Because you know yeah, what? We're all alike. Good. We all, whether we admit it or not, or to some degree or another, we really do wrestle with so many of the same things. Mm-hmm. And whether you're an actress or, you know, in the public eye or you're a plumber or a, a housekeeper, we we really do, at the heart of hearts, um, need to be affirmed yeah, that I, we're... I,
2: I, I so agree in this age of identity politics where you're this or you're that or this, but we're all right. basically human beings.
1: Yes. Right, exactly. exactly. Yes.
0: And we're made in God's image. What's cool about it, if we're made in God's image and we have these feelings, that means... God understands those feelings oh because we're goodness. made in his image. And it's so cool. So you just go to the creator and say, hi, I'm dealing with something. He goes, oh, I so get it. I made you that way. But let me tell you how you, there's a workaround on this thing. And, and it's, it's and so close cool. a is relationship. And this what I love
1: too about God is that he uses. And see, this is something that is sometimes lost on our culture. Um, God uses all of our brokenness for the sake of other people. So he allowed me to have all this background and stuff i wrestled with for the longest time knowing that years later i was going to be able to speak about and write about and minister to other people who are going through the same thing he redeems all things and that is what's so amazing and beautiful and um miraculous really about our walk
2: with him you're watching the bill walton show i'm here with uh, nancy stafford and nine in may and we're talking about the role of faith and god in their careers and and uh that's a pretty moving uh Moving conversation. Nina, want to amplify?
0: Um, I, as a creator, and you—I know Sarah's a creative. You're a creative. I am so um
2: For the listener, viewers, Sarah's off camera. She's, just, she's gonna, about. She's dying to we join. We
0: love her.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I> on <love> <laughs> <love Sarah>, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I love the fact that God, the Creator of the universe, calls us to be co-creators with Him. That means if we rely on Him, we partner with Him. We have a relationship with Him. I'm telling you what, the, the, um, I call them downloads, the downloads, the, the discernment, the, um, the revelations, the, all this information that you're getting from the Lord, it, it goes towards something positive because you go, I never thought of that. I had this problem. I didn't know that was the solution. Thank you so much. It's like having a relationship with anyone, with a person. It's just, you can't see God, but you know, him. he's there and you feel him and and as a Christian, of course, you know, Christ had to die and he left his comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's this constant relationship going on, constant. I mean, there are times when, okay, I'll just give you a silly one. You're driving around the city and you're looking for a parking spot. And I go, okay, Lord, you can see it. You see the city. Just show me where the parking spot is. No, need- <laughs> And it's crazy. Are you I mean, praying just,
2: for parking spots, isn't no, it? No, it's not praying for
1: it.
0: No, I'm just using it as an example, as as a silly example. Because the point is, and I say this all the time, if Christ was slain since before the foundation of the earth, our he movie knows was your made. Spot. No, he knows the parking spot. <laughs> but the movie was made. This house was built. I mean it was it was done. He he knows it, he sees it. So it's like following a blueprint. For building a house. It's following the script for writing a movie. Mm -hmm. There is a script for each one of us. Mm -hmm. God has written a book for each one of us. And all we have to do is say, show me my book. Because that's the reason I think there's so many people stuck in depression. They go get on drugs. They do something. They have no idea what their destiny is. They're sitting Mm -hmm. there going, why am I even here? What's my purpose? Why was I born? and if they could just plug into the the thing the the in the god who created that blueprint for you or the one that created the script for you or wrote the book i'm telling now, you what, it's yeah. joyful it's absolute joy now, it's amazing but
2: but but that does not I'm, I'm, we, we came we're talking about first lady we're talking yeah. about the movie her careers and, right. and making things that that theme is maybe underlying what your movies about but it's, it's not, no, no, it is you don't you're it's, not you not we are not talking about. No, no 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 it doesn't like no, no it
0: underlies the the making of it the yeah, understanding okay. that wow you don't have to worry about that think about the miracle again in 18 months to go from basically development to distribution is just absolutely unheard of and what i did is i said okay lord You want me to do it? You're going to just have to open all the doors that need to be open. You're going to have to bring me the right cast, the right crew, make the weather perfect. I'm not going to worry about it because we're a co-creator together. And I'm telling you, the miracles were just fast and furious all the time. Mm -hmm. I was just saying yesterday, I could write a book on the making of First Lady, just the miracles, because it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Think about it. When you go to see something like a show or something, and it was so fabulous, what do you do? You come back and share it. You don't keep it to yourself. You go, I saw the best movie last night. I saw the best opera last night or whatever. You share it and that's what I believe as as believers we do. We're sharing this amazing good news
1: about how God is intimately involved in our lives. It's so cool. And in the case of First Lady because mm-hmm. as as you're saying, I think when when we are people, there are so many creative, brilliant movies and television that have been written by people who don't necessarily profess any kind of a faith. But I also know that those of us who do have faith have at our disposal and our recognition tremendous themes that we can draw from. And one of the great themes of First Lady that is part of the joy and love and hope and humor of it all is is, this is a movie about hope, really. Ultimately, it's a movie about second chances. And when uh, getting back to Corbin Bernson, who plays our uh, um, European prince, And I met him years ago, my character, Kate, meets him years and years ago, and then he has followed my career, and then he comes back to see if there's still a spark and can win my heart again. It really does, it gives the audience hope that there can be an autumn romance. You can be a person of age and still have a second chance. So we have an opportunity to kind of tap into kind of biblical themes, redemption, restoration, hope, integrity, self-sacrifice mm-hmm. that um, I think are very special and make for very profound uh, movies and messages.
2: So I think we all got to get everybody to go to these movies. Well, yeah. you're opening you're opening February 14th.
0: 14th and that's the opening day but we'll be out definitely all week all over the country. But the key is box office that first weekend to determine if they keep you in another week and another week. So yeah, I've we're been through to get that. Everyone mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, yeah. you have. That's why they call it show business,
2: you know. Yeah, because oh, it, oh there's that part. We're gonna make this great thing, and now we've got to get it get distributed. People, yeah, yeah. Get people. Yeah, I've been, butts I've been through seats. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a. I think there's a real place for that. We made a couple of movies. I did produce uh, nine of May or not. Um, Jerry Lewis's last movie. Um, Max Rose Mm. which was a lovely story and then we had Dan Stevens in the ticket and it was about a man who really lost his sight and then regained real wisdom about what the world was really about Mm. but but Mm. the interesting thing was the movie opens when he lost his sight he was blind when it started he regained his sight and then he behaved like a complete heel As a sighted person, Mm -hmm. it was only when he went back through and realized he'd made all these mistakes that he had the epiphany. It's not heavy-handed. It was it was directed by uh, by an Israeli, Mm. Um, but I think there's a real niche for these kind of these kind of stories.
1: I do too. I do too. And where where do you think
2: this is going to end up after it's in the theaters? You get on Netflix, or how do we? What's what's distribution like now?
0: We're actually getting all kinds of offers from people that want to handle everything from the home entertainment portion of it the digital the video on demand the to the international to the broadcast so um, we're trying That's to great. figure out a way to pull it all together under one roof as opposed to piecemeal in and out and again this is our first time actually in the theaters with a theatrical distribution to this level i mean life fine-tuned we were in a few theaters but not to this extent and having to get the mpa rating was amazing we got the pg rating which was jumping through a lot of hoops it's been an education, and we have been really hands-on on distribution because we want to learn everything. We want to learn everything from soup to nuts because there's so much to know in the in production industry. And if you don't know it, someone can come in and tell you something that's not true, and you don't have a clue, and then you can you know be signing your life away or whatever. So,
2: so Nancy, you're working on some other projects now. What What's that? Uh...
1: I am. Um, I'm actually... Um... I don't have another acting gig lined up at the moment, but I am starting to shepherd some things through the production pipeline and have about three television series and two films that I'm as in a producer. Various, yeah. in various stages of production. And a couple of them have some real interest at the moment, um, which is very exciting. And I'm also, um, I directed, co-directed my first feature a couple of years ago in conjunction with Asbury University's film school. Mm-hmm. and then i've got another one i'm slated to do if we can get funding soon uh, called grace which is a period piece uh, frontier missionary woman whose husband's killed out in the field but then she determines that i'm going to go back and blaze the trail and be by myself and and continue the good work all alone
2: and are you going to play the frontier Missionary? i'm supposed
1: to be grace yes and Tricky. i'm directing it so well
2: that's good how's the business how's, how's the business changed since you since you entered it
1: Oh my goodness it's changed greatly. <laughs> uh, when I entered it and as a person of faith um you know there were there was more I could with clear conscience do and with joy do as an actor than than now. Now it seems like there's there's less that I can do than more. So over the years I've turned down a great deal of work. Um, and I, I've been fired by agents who said, you don't want to work. And I said, you have no idea how much I want to work. I just, I don't want that work. And so um, it's been harder. And then as you get older, too, a woman of age, it's just harder to find roles. But God will, just has not let me leave. So he just keeps whispering, it's not over. And so I want to encourage all your listeners and viewers, too, that. Um, If you're still pursuing your dreams, but God doesn't seem to be, like, plucking you out yet, just hang in, hang tight. Mm -hmm.
2: You're watching The Bill Walton Show, and I'm here with uh, Nancy Stafford and Nina May, and we're talking about uh, the changes in the film business, TV business, and how it's a lot harder to, to find work that you think has a good, solid moral compass as an actress.
1: Yep. Which is, again, why I think these kind of independent productions are so important. I do too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's why we're here.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and the other thing too is that technology has made this possible. When we first did Life Fine Tune, that was about seven years ago, I think, we were on the RED camera, and we had to use the RED camera because it was 4K. And those cameras cost about $250,000. We shot First Lady on 4K using these little Canon things. with 4K, all the different 4K like, means what? Um, uh, it's it's the resolution, okay. it's, it's, right. so that you can blow it up, yeah. it on the side of a barn, and you're not going to pixelate or anything like that. It's just it's required now. It's kind of industry standard, being that that big. If you want it to be on in the movie theaters, but if we had done that before, you know, and, and buying the the cameras and renting them and stuff, it was going to cost a ton of money. The editing suites before it came, went down into um, Avid. Final Cut Pro, it was, it, the big Avid. It was like you're flying like a B seventy two or something. <laughs> Do they even exist anymore? I don't <laughs> think so. A I don't, B70, know. I don't think are, a Oh, no, I what, the, it. what are they <laughs> called? A Learjet. I don't know. You're okay, you so flying so. some big airplane with a bunch of, of things, but now you do Final Cut Pro, and everybody can put it in their own computer. So anyway, the technology has changed, and it's leveled the playing field. That It's not about the money anymore. It really is about being talented, having a good cast and crew that you're working with, You know, good directing, uh, just... The good, uh, safe place, atmosphere for the mm-hmm. set, and that's very important to me. That everyone feels very comfortable. No divas allowed. No drama or anything like that. Just have fun.
2: Just have fun. Well, but the the barrier, the technical barriers mm-hmm. are lower, but there's still mm-hmm. really one big barrier, and that big barrier is how you tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I say mm-hmm. the script's got to be And very few people good, yeah. know how to tell a good story. Right.
0: Exactly. Right. No, that, that's an art. It really is an art. It but is. it doesn't cost anything to tell a good story. You could sit here and tell me a good story. It wouldn't cost us a dime
2: well i don't know about that
0: (laughs) you know what i'm saying or say like i've got stacks and stacks of scripts that i've already written it just took my time it didn't cost me anything yeah but if someone likes one of them and says oh my gosh that's a fabulous story suddenly it has value you know suddenly you can put it into a production and that story that's just sitting on paper suddenly becomes three-dimensional and it's touching lives to me it's really magical you know how the word the word becomes alive Mm -hmm. it's
1: very very cool and when I go around talking to students and kids, um, young people in particular, about um, immer- getting into the industry, you know, I tell them from the get-go, be content creators. Right now, you've got mm-hmm. the chance to do that. Start writing. Right. You, you got an iPhone in your pocket, you've got a movie mm-hmm. camera. Yeah. That's all they need nowadays. I That's mean, it's right. remarkable. Was it Steve Soderbergh's film? Uh, what was the name of that film he did that was Sex-alizing shot entirely? Sex Lives and Videotape?
2: Was that... No, it's He long, did. Long, entire, long. I'm dating myself. That was entire film 30 years ago. was
1: shot on, his, on an iPhone. Yeah. Which is just, you know, it's, it blows my mind. <laughs> but everybody now can really be a right. content creator. Exactly. But just keep honing your craft, honing your craft. Mm-hmm.
2: So, do you like, so how do you pick a, pick a project?
1: Good question. Um, I pick them for different reasons. One is, uh, am I moved by it? Do I agree with it? Yeah. Do I agree with the theme or the premise? Um, do I have a, an opportunity to play a character I've never played before? Do I get a chance to stretch a part of me I never had a chance to before? Um, I love playing bad guys, but I kind of have a personal rule, and that is either I don't want to be a glorified bad guy. I want to have a bad guy that's either got some redemption or a consequence
2: mm-hmm. to my actions.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it's a moral compass.
1: Yeah, for me. And not everybody, I mean, I, and I have yeah. fellow believer actors that we all have our different sort of compass. Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, this has been great, this guys. Is I'm really happy. Thank you. Nina of May. Wonderful. Nancy Stafford, producer, director, star of, uh, of uh, our movie First Lady. First Lady. And we're opening... On Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day, February 14th. And do you have a website that we can yeah, learn about for, this?
1: firstladymovie.com.
2: Firstladymovie.com. And, right. and Nancy, do you have a website?
1: I do, nancystafford.com.
2: Okay. Well, anyway, thank you. This thank has been you, really you. interesting. Thank you. How to be with you. Yeah, what, a, uh, what a creative crew this is. Thank yeah. you. Okay. We should do something together. Anyway, so <laughs> yes. thank you. Um, thank you for joining me on the Bill Walton Show and looking forward to having you with us uh, next time. Thanks much. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at thebillwaltonshow.com or on iTunes.